and I still struggled with this because the issues between my husband and I were still there. And that's the mm -hmm. other thing about when you have an affair, you think that you your problems are only with this person you're married to, but you're mm -hmm. gonna take these problems to the next person that you're with. When you've had an affair, it's very hard to accept it that you were the bad guy, that you did this horrible, ugly thing that you never thought you would do. I believe this lie that I was unloved. I believe this lie that because I was lonely, I should go fill my, my emptiness with another person. There you have it. Quick little teaser for this week's episode. And we are in episode number 26 of the Grace Fueled Wife podcast. This is our second part of the Healing from Infidelity series. If you didn't listen to the first part, feel free to pause and go back and listen to that. In this part, we explore a totally different topic, and that is what happens when the wife is unfaithful. So in this episode, I interview Michaela Deegan of the Coffee, Jeans, and Jesus podcast, which is all about encouraging women to live out their faith in real life. And in this episode, we go into her story about how she ended up in an affair um, that you know, ultimately wrecked havoc on her marriage, but how God was really able to pull that together. So it's a long one, but it is worth the listen. I am sure you'll enjoy. Welcome to the Grace Field Wife podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the grace-fueled wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the Gracefield Wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. All right, guys, thank you so much. Welcome back this week. And I hope you enjoyed last week's episode on healing after infidelity. If you have not listened to it, you might want to press pause right now. Go back and listen to this that episode because this one is part two in that journey. And the reason why I decided to make this part two in the journey is because quite honestly, this is the grace field wife. And I want to speak to us as wives. And so in the first part, I was able to speak to us as the as wives who have maybe have had husbands who are unfaithful and are really going through that healing journey. But another really big part of that is in a marriage, there is two people. And sometimes we have a situation where the wife is the one who is unfaithful. And so I love the way that God works in his healing heart and his just 
perfect plan how he set put me together with our guest Michaela Deegan who I love so much and she's really starting to become a dear friend I just I love her so much and we found so much con uh, confirmation in this conversation with each other uh, how we wanted to talk about this story and how it relates to us as wives when what happens when the wife is the one who has been or is being unfaithful so Michaela welcome to the show <laughs> Beatrice thank you so much um it's really an honor and a privilege to be here because as you know I'm a fan of yours not because we're becoming friends but um I think your authenticity and just the way that you talk about marriage and even you know sharing your own stories it's just so amazing so thank you so much for having me on thank you absolutely so Michaela one of the reasons um the reason why we have you on the show today we talked about which by the way hold up hold up hold up everybody <laughs> I gotta back up because I will have Michaela give you all her contact details later towards the end of the show but I didn't even tell you guys how we met. So Michaela and I met because we are fellow podcasters. She is the host of the Coffee, Jeans, and Jesus podcast, where she talks about uh, living out your faith authentically, and she gives all these inspiring stories. It's just really refreshing to hear her her soft, soothing voice. Every time I hear your voice, Michaela, I'm like, <laughs> oh, it just brings peace to my heart. So that's how we met and um and you this topic is what came up so talk to us about that what does god put on your heart for our listeners today well this topic quite honestly um it comes from a place of pain um and also obedience so that's why um, i really want to share this because i feel like there's women struggling with this and you know, it's a very hard place to be in because you feel ashamed, you feel confused. And quite honestly, if if you are a Christian woman and you're struggling with this, you're in this situation, you really don't want to share that with other Christian women. So that's kind of where I guess my heart is on that. Yes, I love that because I always wanted to make this podcast a place of where we could share the hard stories that people don't want to talk about, you know, where we could really just be vulnerable and be ourselves. And, you know, I've shared on the, po the podcast stories of, you know, abuse or stories of, you know, even myself just being <laughs> a crazy wife and you don't often hear that. And I, and I, the only reason why I share it and <laughs> sometimes I think, Oh my gosh, I have, I don't know if you ever get this, but like vulnerability hangover sometimes mm -hmm. after I recorded or not even after I recorded, but after I, I post and publish an episode, I'm like, did I really just send that yes. story out into the world <laughs> and tell people that like, was I really just that vulnerable? And I feel like I, or I notice that when I do it and I just kind of get over myself, that's when I get the most messages of people being like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that. Because I know that that was, that that was hard to do. Yeah. And so I thank you in advance for sharing <laughs> your story because yeah, it's going to hurt and it's going to feel vulnerable to talk about, but in sharing our stories, not only are we he healing ourselves, but God allows that other woman who's listening 
to heal also so that she yeah. could feel like I'm not the only one. Oh my goodness. Thank you. God, you still love me. You know, I feel like it's his way of telling women, us women, like, I still love you despite your flaws, despite yes. your sins, despite whatever, just come back to me and I'm going to be here. And I feel like that's what he wants our listeners to hear. I feel like that's what he is saying to them. And so tell us a little bit about your story. And, and, you know, obviously it's, tell us what is, what is your story that he's, God wants you to see? Um, so first I just wanted to say that, um, just rewinding a little, I think as podcasters who not just talk about faith, but try to sh um, share biblical truth with women that they can apply to their lives. Um, it's hard to, to, because you're coming from a place of authenticity, of transparency, and it's hard to do that sometimes. Um, so I totally get what you're saying about you share it, you upload it, it publishes, and you're like, oh my God, for real. <laughs> and so I, it's really funny because this morning before, you know, I, I came on with you, um, you know, I do a Spanish episode uh, every twice a month. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about? And so then it just really got put it on my heart to talk about finding victory in your marriage. Like, what can you do while you're waiting for victory in your marriage? And so I'm sitting there typing and I'm like, this is so crazy. Here I'm typing this. I haven't even really talked about marriage on my podcast, but that's what God put on my heart. And then I'm like, but I'm going to talk about this topic on Beatrice's podcast. So I just think it's, it's so interesting the way that God works, you know, but what I wanted to say to listeners is guys, if, if God has put something on your heart to share, no matter how scary it feels, just do it because you have no idea how God could use your story to bring healing to someone else. And so I think even though we question did I just really do that? Like you said, I think God really gets honor and glory and we, we might not see what he's doing, you know? So I just wanted to kind of share that. <laughs> yeah. And to piggyback off that, everything that we have gone through in our lives that God has brought us through mm -hmm. and has given us victory over everything then becomes a little testimony. Yes. And I remember at one time in church where you had to like share your testimony. I didn't even know what my testimony was. I was like, I don't know. I don't have a, te what testimony? I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't recognize it then. All the things that God had done in my life throughout the years, all the pain and the, like, I couldn't see then what it would mean today. And what all those stories of like pain and heartbreak and, and abuse and all those things, what difference was that going to make in my life today? And so I think all of the stories are valuable that we have because all of the stories we can give the glory to God for. And so um, that's kind of, so I just wanted to say that. So ladies, if you have a story that you can point to the glory of God, please share it because that, that we're robbing God of the glory that he deserves for bringing us through that when we stay silent. Amen. I love how you said that because, you know, honestly, that's, that's what this is today. You know, I just want to give God glory, but also give hope to those women out there. 
So um, I don't really know how to quite start, but um, I will say that what what happened wasn't something that, you know, one morning I just woke up and decided that, hey, you know what, I'm going to have an affair today. I think, you know, let me cross mm -hmm. this off my bucket list, you know, that that was not the case, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I guess over time this is in your heart, but you don't see it. And um, I think as a as a wife who is a Christian, you see your husband's struggles and you see his mistakes and you see his sin, you or you find out about the sin that he's hiding. And then you think that you're perfect, you got it all together, you're the perfect, you know, Christian wife, you love God. And then one day you you realize that, hey, my sin, my sin is pretty bad too. You know, and so I think many times in marriage, we, we just kind of compare that, you know, that kind of self-righteous type of spirit. And so, mm. so I was that wife. I was in that place um, at this point. So I've been with my husband now today for 12 years. At this point, we were married for six years. Um, let's see. I'll give you kind of a, a background of, of my marriage. I met my husband in youth ministry. Uh, I was not a believer. I, I was not someone that grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a very broken home, a lot of dysfunction. I'm a child of parents who are divorced, who had a very, very volatile, dysfunctional, chaotic marriage. Um, anger, bitterness, adultery. Uh, so it was just... Uh, I want to say it was a war zone because that's what it felt like growing up. And I know that sounds really harsh and I don't want to badmouth my parents, but this, this is what it was. Um, and so you don't have that model of a marriage. You kind of just, this is what you see. And so you think this is, this is what marriage is. So I had two kids already before I got married. I never wanted to get married. Um, I guess I did because I thought that would complete me, but then at the same time I didn't because, you know, I was a single mom. I waited tables, but I was able to take care of myself. You know, I was very independent. Um, and as a single mother, I jumped from relationship to relationship and I was still partying all the time, you know. Um, and then I get saved. I get saved but you get saved and you still have a lot of those struggles. Um, and so I was in a legalistic church. So you kind of think that, well, I just need to serve in church and that makes me a good Christian, but you still have all these struggles that haven't been worked out. But so I met my husband in youth ministry. Um, honestly, I didn't like him and he didn't like me, but you know, we were at Bible study all the time. Um, so that's kind of how my husband and I started talking, but I felt like this guy doesn't like me, you know, so he wasn't my type. I'm like, this guy doesn't like me. So I could just be myself. I could just act silly and whatever. And he's not going to like me. He doesn't like me. Well, that's what he liked. <laughs> so that kind of backfired. Backfired? <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, it backfired because. Let's say um, <laughs> it, was, it worked. Because uh, you married the guy by being yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he, I mean, I just felt like I could be myself with him. He was really a gentleman. He, 
he didn't try to like make moves on me right away. And so coming from someone who was, you know, not a Christian and you know how guys are, you're like, what's wrong with this guy, you know? Um, and so that kind of made me see, like I started praying and, and asking God, God, I think that I like him. Show me his fruit, you know? And one thing I noticed about him was he was very, very generous. He just accepted me for who I was. And I can honestly say he was, I know he liked me because he thought I was attractive, but he was the first guy who I, I felt actually liked me because of my heart and, you know, my views or the way that I thought. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of how that started. And which I have to stop you right there. Yeah. Ladies, did you hear that prayer? God, show me his fruit. I think it was such a beautiful prayer. So if you know anyone, ladies, who is single and is looking to date someone or whatever, I love that as for a prayer for somebody that you are looking maybe to get into a relationship with because you're right, it is all about the fruit and it may not be rainbows and sprinkles and puppies for the rest yeah. of your life but when uh someone is actually producing fruit a bad tree cannot produce bad fruit only a good tree can produce good fruit and so that's so powerful you said that and i just wanted to call attention to it so <laughs> so that's how you guys met yeah that's how okay. we met fast forward and uh, fast, you got married yeah fast wow. forward um i was struggling with depression like our whole marriage i had struggled with depression for years so I had two two little boys. My my middle son, my youngest son, um, his his father wasn't like fully there, I guess you could say. So my husband really took on that role of um, really being his dad, and he never he never treated my kids like, oh, well, you're not my kid. He was always very generous with them, and of course, as as a single mother as someone who has kids you you want you want someone who's gonna not treat your kids like well you're just my stepchild or something um and then we had a little girl i you know i didn't want any more kids because of having been a single mother i just know how hard it is so to the single mothers listening like i give you props that's a very hard thing and sometimes a very lonely place um but god he will always give you provision, you know, and, and strength. So, um, yeah, then we had our daughter, our daughter, Natalie, and she was just such a blessing. And I think some of the issues that we had off the bat was that we both grew up in dysfunction. So we did not communicate very well. Um, my husband, he started to work a lot and he would, you know, I was always with the kids. When you have little kids, when you have small children, it's a very different season. You don't even have time to think for yourself sometimes because you're just busy taking care of the kids, you know? Um, and so I wrapped up myself in my children because I thought that I was being a good mother that way. And my husband kind of shut down a lot. He didn't communicate a lot. He didn't really open up a lot. Um, so it was just a very disconnected type of thing. And which I want to just point yeah. out as you're saying there, because all of that is so common. We have a child, we wrap ourselves up in uh, being a mother because let's face it, as women, we find greater value sometimes in being a good mother than we do in being a good wife and not to take anything away 
from how important it is to be a good mother. But sometimes in our struggle or in our our striving to be a good the best mom to our children that we can we can neglect the marriage Mm -hmm. and also coming from I thought another important thing that you said is both having come from dysfunctional homes and then not having um, kind of having a communication breakdown when you get together I just published an episode about that same thing it's like you know how bringing these past traumas into your marriage and so another place, ladies, if you have not listened to, go ahead and listen to that because it was like a therapy session for me. But I think that also makes such a difference in the self-awareness that comes from figuring out what your past traumas were so that you're not bringing those into the marriage and then almost then projecting those those things that happen to you onto your spouse. So, okay, so yeah. you get married, you have the, the oh, and the other thing that you said, which was really important that I wanted to point out to ladies is part of why you were attracted to him, part of what made you love him was the way he loved your other children yeah. before you had your daughter. And I had said this in one of my episodes, how, and I learned this in a small group, how God is our father, mm-hmm. but he is also our father-in-law. So he is also <laughs> the father of our spouse. And so when you think about that, how, how it makes you feel and how much fuller your heart gets to watch somebody love your children, um, yeah. I, I feel like God, he just, if we take that perspective, when we look at our spouse and how we treat our spouse, it just I think it changes the game for us as moms. You know, if you're a mom and you can understand the love from like a parent to a child or in any way, you can understand that love and you you can understand how someone showing kindness to your child makes you see them so much more favorably. It's like, I, I say that as a way to tell our wives, like, think about that when you, when you really want to be <laughs> upset with yeah. your husband and think about, think about that because, and vice versa, but just, I think when we love other people, and this not only goes for our husband, but in general, and, and the way God commanded us to love other people, and we're, when we're able to do that, he sees us so favorably. So we get to the point of the, right? So we get to the point of the breakdown of communication in the marriage, and then after your second daughter, and then where is it? So where did it, is that where it started to deteriorate or? No, I would say like our first year of marriage was so fun. Um, we were just like best friends and, you know, just kind of sharing that parenting journey with another person is like, it's a new thing when you've been a single mom. So um, yeah, we were just, I, I would say we were in a good place um, except for like, Uh, my, um, how could I put it? My parents were very like overbearing (laughs) and didn't have boundaries. So that kind of caused some, some tension. And, um, you know, we ended up moving out of state and then here came more problems because my husband couldn't find a job and I wasn't making enough. So you, you throw financial challenges in the mix. Um, forget it, you know, um, but to backtrack. So right right before um right before this affair happened i had already known that my husband was struggling um in his own i guess struggles with um with lust you could say uh 
you know, looking at things that he probably shouldn't be looking at that really don't make a wife feel loved. And so I don't want to, you know, speak for him because I still want to respect my husband. I, in fact, had to not ask him for permission, but really just say, hey, you know, I'm going to do this podcast with my friend Beatrice. I just want to know if it's okay with you. Because although I have my story, he has his own story, you know, but I thank God that I have such a graceful husband that he's able to really forgive and he forgives you and he will not bring it up anymore, which I'm totally opposite. I might still remind you that you hurt me 10 years ago and, you know, God's still working on me, right? I'm, I'm working, working on it. Working. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, I, I thank God for him because he gives me a lot of grace that I did not have growing up. So, um, so right before this happened, uh, my husband was working a lot. He was working second shift. He was working 12 hours. Um, and I didn't understand, like, the guy is tired, but I would cry to him sometimes and tell him, like, you don't pay attention to me. You know, I miss you and you don't pay attention to me. And I really began to feel like a single mother all over again, because my husband, I, I think, really thought that because he was providing for us, uh, that was his job. And he was that was it. That was good enough. Um, and so the other issue was that we didn't really have a babysitter or someone to leave our kids with. So that kind of didn't help. My son, um, he's also autistic. So he had a lot of meltdowns. So as a mother, I had a lot of stress, you know, and um, so yeah, so I felt very lonely, very unloved. Um, I was depressed. So that really clouded my, my view on things. Um, so I wasn't in a good place. And how could I I guess, how do I begin? Um, so this person, this person that I had an affair with was my first love from high school. So over the years, we would kind of, even before I got married, like somehow we would end up talking again. Um, just like, hey, how you doing? You know, what's going on? Stuff like that. And so this person, I'll have to like backtrack just a little, but my father raised me and then I went to live with my mother. So I lived with her during middle school and like uh, probably six, seven months of high school, of my first year of high school. So he was my only boy. Well, he yeah, he was my only boyfriend in high school. Um, and I had a lot of issues with my mother and I ran away a lot when I lived with her. So I actually lived with this boy and his family and they really had taken me in and loved me like a daughter. So this is the dynamics, you know, why I want people to understand why it was so easy for me to just kind of let this guy in, right? Um, I so, think what's important yeah. also about what you're saying is, right, because we, it's not like, I, I don't want anybody to get the impression that you're trying to justify. No, no, I'm not. And I, and I recognize that's not what you're trying to do. And so I'll stop you there. So I want to, I want people to understand that that's not what you're trying to do. Cause you know, people could be judgmental yes. in their thinking. And so I, what I see you're pointing out is one. Also, we don't want to villainize the victim, let's say. Right. So, mm -hmm. and, and I don't, I didn't get that impression that you were trying to do that either. You're just trying to 
make the listeners understand like this is how someone who is a good woman who loves her family who loves her husband this is how someone could fall into a sin like that yeah. and part of it is feeling disconnected in in the home disconnected mm-hmm. from the spouse in one way and the other thing that you said um that i thought was really important to note was that you you always still had some sort of connection mm-hmm. with um this this person this guy yeah. you know whereas and so i i i warn women against that you know a lot of times we might think it doesn't it doesn't matter it's okay you know oh what's the big deal yeah i'm friends with my exes yeah you know whatever but what that is doing is that once you have such a deep connection with somebody and you don't completely cut it off you're always leaving, leaving the door open yeah for when so, you are in a place of fe- feeling vulnerable and i think that was the important thing about what you said you know you shared why your connection was so deep with this mm-hmm. person and you know if we talk about us as wives and what we can do differently and what we can you know whatever it's like remember for men and for women on both sides when you leave that little window of opportunity open it's there yeah and the, and when and when you get to that place um you know and i'm sure there is more women that we can imagine who have if not fallen into a full on affair fallen into something that they aren't yeah. proud of or wouldn't want their husbands to to find out about because of leaving that small window open. And so that I just wanted to kind of like point that out before we get so far in the story and then it gets lost. Um because as wives as we are looking to move forward as we're looking to heal as we're looking to protect our marriages understand that those few things so that if your husband has a little window open that you know about and you're just kind of it bothers you but you're trying to let it be or vice versa or you have left a little window of opportunity open and you know it and you're kind of trying to hide the fact that you know maybe it's not right because you don't want to completely close the door on that that is 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 where we leave the opportunity for things like this to kind of take root and take hold and you know we're basically giving a, a window for for Satan to come in yeah. for that sin to come in you know because even Jesus was tempted He may not have sinned, but even he was tempted and we are not as strong as Jesus. Right. So, you know, <laughs> let us not try to be stronger. You know, let us not yeah. try to do that. Why why give Satan the opportunity? Yeah. So you have this really deep connection and you were in a bad uh place for yourself, you know, emotionally and in your marriage and so the affair starts. Yeah. Um, um So I'm sorry that I had left. I was just thinking um just how I was so self-righteous during the season mm-hmm. and you think that you're going to do something that See, and here's the thing about the enemy. What you were saying, the, the word says not to give him a foothold, right? Mhm. So he, here's the thing about the enemy. The enemy never comes when when he tempts you, he doesn't come in a way where you kind of see everything play out. it always seems innocent it always seems like well, it's not that bad um so so yeah so basically um basically the other thing i wanted to say i'm sorry if i could just backtrack sure. the other thing i wanted to say and the reason why i kind of led up to the story that way is because for women 
affairs are always different. For us, it's an emotional thing. For men, he could, he could, you know, go ahead and have a one night stand and it might be nothing to him the next day. But for us, for us women, it always starts in your heart. And any woman who, who says that that's not so, um, you know, I, I had friends back before I got saved who thought like, I'm just doing this thing and no big deal, but then feelings always happen. So for us, it's always an emotional thing. And once you begin to have that emotional attachment, um, and I don't know if you believe in soul ties, Beatrice, but I, I believe in, in soul ties. So the, here was this emotional tie to this person. Um, you know, you're talking about when I was a, a young girl. So it was very easy to kind of let this person back in and it was like, didn't seem anything wrong. Um, so the way that you already uh, had that, so you already that, had that tie. So it was like, no, no big deal. Like yeah. this guy's not going to kill me. This guy's not a psychopath, right. you know, um, you got a trust for him already. Exactly. And that's what, that's the foothold. That's the window that the enemy saw, I think. So, um, we, we, we found each other on Facebook. So for those of you ladies, um, who are messaging on Facebook and then you're deleting them, just kind of, kind of look at that. If you have to delete a message that you're afraid your spouse is going to see, then something isn't right there. And that's how it starts, to be honest. So my experience was that, you know, we reconnected on, on social media and we started kind of just chatting and catching up and very quickly, I kind of just began to remember being young again, you know? And so I was, at this time I was turning 30. So I always say like, I think I had a midlife crisis when I was turning 30 because <laughs> it was just crazy, you know? Um, and so after the messages on Facebook, talking on the phone, hearing his voice, uh, remembering that, you know, whatever memories I had with this person, um, and really, when that started to happen, I remember in that moment that I said to myself, why did I just start talking to him? And yeah. for some reason, you know, but I guess the, the voice of the enemy was so much louder. But for some reason, I remember, I still remember that I heard the verse, guard your heart because for, from it, you know, springs life. Your heart is deceiving, you know, that's scripture. But I didn't listen to that voice. So these feelings came back. And before you know it, I couldn't wait to talk to him, to talk yeah. to him on the phone. My husband didn't get home till later. So here I am feeling lonely, finding my acceptance and my attention from another person. And that's what right. I was going to point out in what you were saying, because it's like when we're feeling in a place of feeling unloved yeah. and feeling unattractive and feeling rejected by our spouse at that yeah. moment, you know, whether or not he actually did it or that's just how we were feeling because there was such a, a we were in such a place of disconnection in the marriage, it then becomes easy or yeah. you know not necessarily justifiable but easier to look for our self-worth somewhere where else or maybe not look for it you know but 
allow it to come from somewhere else. And I think that is such an important part of what you're saying, because as humans, we want to be, you know, we want to feel loved and and we want to, you know, we, we need that and we crave that. And so when we don't get it, we're looking for it somewhere else, which doesn't excuse us for finding it somewhere else outside of our marriage covenant. But I think the problem is that's, that's where we're, we're, we're not getting it at home and we go outside the marriage covenant versus going to the source anyway. Yeah. So versus, you know what I mean? Going to, to, to Jesus first and praying, you know, God, show me his, my husband, show me his fruit again, show me, you know what I mean? And, and praying for that place in your marriage so that you could be filled up with the love of God yeah, and not have this empty void because no man is ever going to be able to feel that, fill that void. Not our husband, not the ex-boyfriend that, you know, we had never really got over to begin with kind of thing. And it's just like, none of those things, or, you know, not that guy that you have a crush on that you think, you know, that, you know, maybe is not right or whatever, nothing is going to be able to fill that void. So you, to go back to a place of just, Lord, fill me up, Lord, take this from me, Lord, you know, just shut it down. Um, And so, and I'm not saying this to, to be judgmental of you, but just to highlight in your story, the places where, you know, hindsight is 2020. You yeah, didn't know absolutely. at the time, you know, you were just kind of going through the motions of how you felt. And it, it's easy for us to look at you or look at a husband who was unfaithful and say, how dare he? Yes, absolutely. And, and it's easy to judge. It's easy to judge that, that husband or wife, but it's a different story when you're actually in it. And so I, I say this to offer words of Uh, compassion and grace and understanding for the person, husband or wife who is in this place of sin and kind of say, there is a way back, you know, and and this is the way back and this is the way back to God's heart. So, okay. So, so you were in a place and the affairs or the emotional affair started and then it escalated Mm -hmm. moving on to the place of healing forgiveness right because we're not going to give that much air time to no absolutely what the not. affair was right yeah. so because that's not the point it's really more of like how does one how does a person who is good and loving and you know a, a wife who loves her husband and all this how does she fall into a place like this then now you're in it now you're in the yeah. pits you yeah. know and you're in the pit of darkness yeah and you get pulled <laughs> out how is it, it that what pulled you out what was um, that? So the after effects were that, you know, my husband had already gotten divorced right after we got divorced. I moved out. I went to live with. So your husband found out and the result was a divorce? Well, what happened is that um, we were already getting divorced because I was like, I'm done with this marriage. We couldn't stop fighting. Um, And then I justified in my head, like, well, maybe God doesn't want me with my husband. So that's because I do want to talk about the lies, right? Yes, yes. So that was a lie. Um, I felt like he doesn't want me. And I did want to point out, like, obviously, we did not have Christ in the center of our marriage, even Mm -hmm. though we were Christians. So that was a big thing that we did not have that made it so easy for us to, you know, kind of just do our own thing, I guess, basically. Um, And I remember 
I wanted, I wanted my husband to pay attention to me. So I kind of did what I did growing up. I thought, well, if I'm not going to get good attention, then I'll get bad attention, right? Psychologically speaking. And I remember telling my husband, you know what? I just want a divorce. I'm done. Because I would always tell him when we would fight, um, I'm going to divorce you. I'm fine without you. I don't need you, right? Another lie. Um, and this is kind of what I heard because my mom used to say these things to my dad. So um, when I said that to him, he said, well, if you're not happy with me, fine then. And I was like, you're not even going to fight for me? Like, you know, um, and so that that happened. We got divorced. And this was such a weird situation because my husband started dating other people. And he knew about me and I knew about him. And we're just like, whatever, we're going to co-parent another lie that the world tells you, right? That if you're not happy because we live in such a instant society, microwave society where, hey, well, you know what? Marriage is like changing your shoes. If this guy don't fit, then there's somebody else out there, right? Do whatever makes you happy. That's what people kept telling me. So I'm in this unfair, in, in this affair. And um, the thing about having an affair is that there's no bills. There's no, the kids are sick. The car broke down. It's like this fantasy, this mm -hmm. fantasy that everything's good and you're going to be happily ever after. Okay. And um what happened is that God really began to speak to me like and convict me and being with this person didn't feel right because here he wasn't a parent to my children. Right. So the whole thing just felt very disconnected. So during that time of the affair, just for clarity, during that time of the affair, were, were you legally divorced when it started? Like, when I when it started, it start I was you not. Were legally, okay, yes. and then you legally divorced, and you continued. So you yes. were legally because, divorced, and then you yes. just continued your relationship. I just continued because I, you know, again, I was doing what I what I did before I was walking with God. I was jumping mm -hmm. from relationship to relationship, mm -hmm. thinking, well, if this person's not going to make me happy, then I'm going to go find somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really began to justify a lot of things in my head, um, but God really began to speak to me. And he used a friend who um, wasn't even walking with God, telling me, telling me the enemy's trying to destroy you. You don't see what's happening. This is a fantasy. Just giving me that truth that I didn't want to see, or maybe I did see it, but I was in denial. So I remember just, you know, this friend and God telling me, you have to make things right with your husband. But in my head, I'm thinking like, what? He should be begging me to get back with him, you know? So I made the decision that I was going to work things out with my husband. But the thing about when you have an affair, it's not just like cold turkey. It's a sin. It's a sin. If you're, if you're having an affair, if you're doing drugs, if you're you know, struggling with, um, you know, some kind of sexual sin, whatever sin you're struggling with, sin is always addicting and sin always feels good. And the enemy's not going to let you go that easy. He's not just going to be like, oh, you changed your mind. Okay, cool. We're fine. Um, so it was really, really hard because I kept believing this lie that I married the wrong person. I wasn't supposed to be with this person. 
this person is all wrong. And when you're going through a divorce, things get ugly. When you're going through a breakup with your spouse or any kind of breakup, things get ugly and things are said that are ugly. So there's the sting of all this pain. So it was really hard to stop talking to this person. You know, it was very hard. Um, and even after that, there were still moments where I did talk to him, where he looked for me and I looked for him. And it's especially in those moments where things are not okay in my marriage. So I just need to run to something, right? Because that's what we do. Whether you run to alcohol, you, you run to drugs, you run to binge watching TV, whatever it is that you do to escape, that was my way of escape when things weren't okay. Because before I got saved, my way to escape was to drink, to drink all the time. But I didn't have that anymore. So when you're a Christian, you have to face your pain. You have to face your trauma. Um, so my husband and I ended up getting remarried. Um, and I still struggled with this because the issues between my husband and I were still there. And that's mm -hmm. the other thing about when you have an affair, you think that you, your problems are only with this person you're married to, but you're mm -hmm. going to take these problems to the next person that you're with. And that's why people get married two, three, four times because they never really dealt with the deep issues. So what I want to say is that um, when you've had an affair, it's very hard to accept it that you were the bad guy, that you did this horrible, ugly thing that you never thought you would do. Because I loved God. I always loved God. I mean, he saved me. You know, he was everything to me. But I, it was so, not so easy, but just, I believe this lie that I was unloved. I believe this lie that because I was lonely, I should go fill my, my emptiness with another person. And then I always felt that I wasn't good enough because when I was raised by my dad, um, nothing I did pleased him, nothing I did was good enough. So here I am believing this lie from a child that I'm not even good enough to have a marriage, you know? And so um, the other thing too is like, there, there are seeds that get planted into our hearts as, as children, you know, that, that result in like us looking for love and acceptance in, in the wrong places. So like, I was never affirmed as a kid. I was never told, um, you know, you're smart. My dad always said, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty, but nobody affirmed you're mm -hmm. smart. You're gifted, you're talented. Nobody encouraged me that way. And so I'm not saying it to sound like I'm a victim, but you carry this into your marriage. And so the other thing too is that there's women that struggle with lust because we all have different struggles. And then you see that with like King David, he struggled with lust, but but God still called him a man after his own heart. Yeah. So I that's, was going to say that Yeah. as you were speaking, that's the <laughs> vision I was getting of is God still was able to love and forgive David yes. when that was his, his struggle. And just because we're women doesn't, and we're made differently than men yeah. does not mean that we can't sometimes hold the same struggle. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that we're immune 
from that struggle. Some yeah, some women absolutely. don't struggle with lust, but there's plenty of women that do. Yeah. And it's not to villainize them for their particular struggle. Other women don't struggle with alcohol. You know, everybody yeah, has their absolutely. own particular struggle. Yeah, that was good. I, I mean, I just wanted to um, confirm that. Yes, that was the same thing yeah. that was giving me too. is that you can still be a man or woman after his own heart. Yeah, absolutely. With lust. And the thing that David did was he, he always came back to God. Absolutely. Always came back to him. And, and, and this is before the blood of Christ. Yes. He came back to him. And so it shows us that, you know, how much more that now that we have Jesus, how much more now can we show that if we just, come back to God, he will still love us. He will still forget our sins. He will still embrace us. And that, you know, having a struggle of, of lust is not any worse than having a struggle with anything else. Like it's just, a sin is a sin and that's okay. And just come back to God. And that was the thing that uh, we discussed in the last episode of because uh, the question that I, uh, that I asked uh, Stephanie, who was our guest who runs a ministry on healing after infidelity, and my last question to her was, what if the wife was the one who was unfaithful? And what she talked about was that the, a couple of things, but one of the, thing, one of the things that I noticed that we talked about is that the person who is unfaithful And the reason why God put it on her heart to stay in the marriage that that, let her know that her marriage was going to be redeemed was because of the repentant heart and actions Mm -hmm. of her husband. And so is the same thing for you, where it's like your marriage survived that, Mm -hmm. you know, and not to say that it's perfect, right? No marriage is perfect, but it was able to survive that partially because of the the grace and forgiveness that your husband shows you, but also and equally for the repentant heart that you come to him with. And so I think that that is uh, the message for our women that, you know, if you are in this place of thinking about it's it's if it smells like an affair right thinking about Mm -hmm. it you know that seed is starting to grow you can kind of feel it or you're or you're in the middle middle of it or or just ended or or maybe your husband just found out about it it's the repentant heart that will be that that's what's going to give you the grace that you need because that's what god is looking for he will forgive you he has you know we have jesus for this he will forgive you and, and your husband is going to take probably a lot more work. God will quick forgive you much quicker than your husband or your wife or whatever. But, but that's, that's what it's going to take is the repentant heart and actions and, yeah. and just coming back to him every day and understand a place of humility and understanding. I know I was wrong in this area. I know, you know, and just really at that point, letting them know that that part of your life is over. And I would say, letting them know also by because what do these actions look like yes and it's just closing all the doors all the little doors that we left open that led to the problem to begin with closing the doors yeah and you need to know for your own self right yeah and Uh i was just gonna say recognizing your triggers recognizing that you might still have um 
I don't want to say a struggle, but because it is a struggle after you've, here's, here's the thing. There's no, okay, I'm done with this and it's over. Right. And I wanted to kind of backtrack on what you were saying. When you recognize that I did this, right. You have to accept it first and accept that you did this and you have nobody else to blame, but yourself. Not, I did this because of my husband. No, you did this. Okay. You have one of two things. You could either see, because when you, when you have done this, the enemy's going to lie to you and tell you, well, you know what? You might as well just keep sinning because God doesn't want you anymore. You're, you're worthless. So the way that I felt before I gave my life to Christ, I felt that all over again, like garbage, worthless, but see, uh, the word of God says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, right? And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the goal of the enemy is to destroy your life. And what better way than to allow you to destroy yourself? Uh, because think about it. If God has called you to something great, well, you kind of stop that because you, you fall into the shame and the guilt. And so it's a really, really hard place to be in. And so you have that one thing you can do is that, well, I'm just going to continue to do whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Number two, you can repent and you can run to God. And Beatrice, I, I would have nightmares in the middle of the night because the enemy would just bring me nightmares and remind me of what I was doing or what I had done. So every day it was a struggle. However, um, you know, this affair was five, six years ago. Um, however, God can still use that. God can still bring healing into your heart and into your marriage, you know, because God is so, he is so merciful and so graceful that just because you messed up doesn't mean that that's it. You know, you're, you're just disposable. God doesn't work that way. And so uh, a verse that I wanted to share was 1 Peter 4, 8. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. And so if you have been in that marriage and, and, and you, you know, whether you are the one who committed adultery or your husband committed adultery, love really does cover a multitude of sin. And God is love. And so from, from this experience um, that could sound so tragic that almost destroyed my marriage, I understood and my husband understood we have issues we need to deal on and we need to keep Christ in the center of our marriage. Yeah. And so that's, that's where our marriage is now. I don't feel that, you know, I have this perfect marriage. There's days that it's a struggle because I have temperaments. My husband has temperaments. We have very different personalities. And quite honestly, when you live with someone and you see them all the time, they kind of get on your nerves a little bit. <laughs> like, let's be honest, you know? Really? <laughs> yeah. But I think always keeping Christ in the center and, and really coming to a place where you could say, how do I serve my husband better? And, and not condemning yourself and not becoming this doormat because, well, you know, I sinned, so now I'm going to let my husband do whatever he wants. No, understanding that you are a new creation. And, and whether you were a Christian or not, when you committed adultery, you're still a new creation because God, he always forgives us. You know, he forgets our sin. God's not the type of person that's like, 
you know, I love you until you, until you mess up. No, he gives us agape love, a kind of love that no one can ever understand or, or even experience, you know, not even as a mother who has carried a child. Sometimes you get mad at your kid and you're like, just leave me alone because I'm very mad at you right now. But this is a kind of love that, that you can never fully understand, right? However, putting Christ in the center of your marriage and allowing this story to become something that, hey, God, this is your story now of redemption, of reconciliation, because that's what a marriage is. It's a, it's a, a story of God, of, of redemption, of reconciliation, of repenting. And so, like I said, my, my marriage isn't, you know, perfect, but I, I give God glory because he is able to put things back together. So for the listener out there who's like, my marriage is done, whatever the situation is, and you feel like there's no hope, there is hope. There is hope. And that hope is Christ. And so that's, that's really what, the point of, of all this. I that. And what I wanted to ask you before we close out, I'll ask you this question and then we can, I'm just, I really feel um, to close out in prayer, but the question I wanted to ask you, something you said quickly, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but it's you okay. said, my, even though we were Christians, Christ was not at the center of our marriage. Right. So the question I wanted to ask you is for the couple who is out there who, even though they're Christian, or maybe the wife is Christian, the husband maybe is an unbeliever. How do you, what does that look like practically in real life? putting Christ at the center of your marriage so that they can move on and healing. So I'm sorry, repeat that again. You said for the wife so, that is a Christian. Well, so I'm going back to the okay. comment that you made that we were Christians, mm -hmm. but Christ was not at the center yes. of our marriage. And now that your marriage has been healed and mm -hmm. redeemed. And even though it's not perfect, you guys are in, a completely different place and we've yes. talked about your marriage several times and and I hear and I'm like oh you know it's so beautiful to see where you guys are right now even though it's not perfect right. and, you know the same okay. thing with all of us what does it look like for you guys to live that out in real life with Christ at the center of your marriage um I think number one understanding that um you cannot do anything in your own strength and recognizing and accepting and acknowledging that you have shortcomings and you have struggles, but um, you are still able to go to God, right? And not think that you can handle it yourself and really confessing to one another, you know, what it is that, that you're struggling with or going through. And I know that's a really hard thing to do. Um, but I think also no, letting your spouse know that like, I'm here for you. I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. And if your husband happens to confess something to you, not acting like, oh my God, like you're awful. But you know, how would you react to a friend who's telling you that they're struggling? Wouldn't you have compassion? So really seeing your spouse as you're my friend and I want to love you and I want to be there for you when, when you're not feeling good, when you're not feeling right. So one thing that I've changed in my marriage is 
when something bothers me or I think something, hmm, I think my husband, like something's not right. I come to him with a gentle spirit because the word of God says to speak the truth in love. I'm like, hey, um, I noticed this or you said this. Are you okay? Um, so really just running to God and keeping our minds on Christ. Yeah. I think also, um, as you say that, you know, because you talked about having the, the snipping with your husband and the, they get annoying sometimes and all that. And I think having Christ in the center of your marriage also looks like being able to show your husband the love of Christ. And, yes. and, and then in that, which means before reacting yes absolutely the the anger the snips you know whatever which no but i mean i try (laughs) i try all the time but i recognize that when i take the time to bring the love of christ into my heart to replace the anger in my heart with his love first before I react, um, meaning holding on to your reaction and then asking for, you know, for God to replace that in your heart so that then what flows out, the words that flow out of your mouth are from an overflow of that love um, can really make a difference because that's what God's word says is that from, you know, from the, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so uh, that's been a very popular episode of, of mine, you know, reacting in love versus anger. And as you were talking, this vision came to mind of like, that's really a big key there in keeping Christ at the center. Because how can, that's where he lives in our heart. And so how can, if if our heart is filled with that anger that we want to use to speak to each other with, then how is that keeping God in the center? Yeah, How is that keeping Christ in the center? Where if we go to him, with our anger first before we go to our spouse because he can take it and get rid of it you know yeah and he can overcome it um i think is a big um i think that is just like a practical way to start and then once your husband starts to see you do that yeah absolutely he will then start to you know once we can model that behavior for him he can then start to do the same for us and so i thought that was so beautiful thank you michaela so mm-hmm. much for this thank conversation every time we me. speak my heart is so full i just want to close in prayer really quick uh as we close and i just for every woman under the sounds of my voice i am praying that your heart be filled with the love of jesus just be filled with compassion and forgiveness that he put his finger on any little area that needs improvement in your own marriage, that needs improvement in the space, in your own heart, so that you can take a look at that and work on that because the Lord tells us to not look at the speck in your brother's eye, yes, rather the log in your own. And I just pray that he gently, ever so gently as God does, he puts his finger on the thing that is 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 not quite right with him, that you come back to a place of being closer with him, a place of of really just genuine relationship with God so he can help you lovingly through these areas where you need help. I pray for all the marriages, all the women listening, 
that there is a greater connection that God has continues to knit the souls of you and your husband together with an even tighter bond because his word says what God has put together, let no man separate. And that you just are able to take these words of forgiveness and grace and repentance and love and apply them in your own heart and marriage, whatever that may mean and whatever your situation may be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Hey, love. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.